to everyone this morning, and especially if you're a guest with us this morning. We're so glad to have you in service with us today. Thank you for being here. Those that are watching us online, wherever you may be watching from, we welcome you. Those of you that are watching this morning and are part of us, we miss you and pray that you are well. And um, just want to mention a couple of of our guests realize there's other guests I won't mention some of you I won't mention because I don't know you yet Uh, but good to have brother Trevor with us this morning he is uh, visiting this weekend he attends uh, Yale and uh, knows brother Mike McGurk down here and then also uh, brother Heath Dotson from Georgia and uh, he came up to experience the Army-Navy game yesterday, which for some of us was a disappointing day. And uh, for others who were still in darkness, it was an exciting day. <laughs> so we hosted the young adults, excuse me, not the young adults. Strike that from the record so some of you young adults don't get offended. You missed it. We hosted the Anne Arundel Community College Christmas party at our house last night had about, according to my count, around 25 people, and I would say at least two-thirds, at least two-thirds of those 25 were not a part of the church. So it was really awesome, exciting. I wanted to mention that as a testimony, but I was also saying that to segue into, I don't really know what his motive was, because he doesn't go to Anne Arundel, but... Brother Josh Lewis happened to stop by. He went to West Point for a couple of years, those of you who don't know him. And I told somebody his chest and his hoodie got through the door about five minutes before his head. He had his army at West Point. Of course, as they say, and they usually say it throughout the Army-Navy game on that day, Army and Navy is fighting each other, but all the rest of the time it's brothers in arms. But anyway, for all of you spiritual people, I'm about to preach. It's okay. Anyway, I want to read one verse of scripture as we begin this morning, and uh, that's John chapter 3 and verse 13. How many of you enjoyed Mother Wright last weekend? So, got a little testimony for you, and and, uh, again, many of you have heard me say this, but in case you haven't heard me say this, numbers are not the most important thing, but they are are something we do use. Uh, And so, uh, we have been for for, uh, several, really several months now, every couple of weeks, we have been almost at 300 people on Sunday morning here in this building. And uh, we've been over 300 before, but that was for special occasions. And uh, we, we have been so close. And I mean, there's several weeks, Brother Isaac and I have gone back and forth. And almost then you start thinking about all the people that weren't there. And we'd have been, of course, if all the people that aren't here today that are apart, we'd be at a couple thousand probably, not really. It's a little exaggeration, but... As those of you that were here know, my wife and I were out of town, and, and so the text came through for 
uh, for Sunday morning and for the first time since we became a congregation in 2016 for the first time on Sunday morning just a regular Sunday we broke the 300 barrier last week I thought it was kind of ironic that we finally broke it and I wasn't here so but this, there's a lot of good stuff seems to happen when I'm not here. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But you're stuck with me. So. John three and verse number thirteen. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is. In heaven. Man, there's all kinds of stuff in this one verse. The Amplified Bible says it this way And yet no one has ever gone up to heaven, but there is one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man himself, who is, dwells, has his home in heaven. Father, thank you so much for your presence here today. Thank you for the privilege that we have today of coming together and worship, to worship you, to lift up your name. What a great privilege. Lord, in such a crazy, chaotic, and changing world, don't let us ever take for granted the opportunity that we have to do what we're doing here today. Thank you for meeting us in this place today. Thank you for your presence, your spirit that's already touched hearts and lives here today. God, I pray that you would continue to do that and that you would do that now through your word. God, that you would speak to hearts and lives in this place today. Father, you know every individual in this place today. In fact, your word says that you have the very hairs of our head numbered. You you know us so intimately, God. So you know what each individual is going through you know where each individual is in their lives today. You know what is needed. So I pray, Lord, that you would speak, that you would minister. I pray, God, that you would let me be a messenger today to deliver a message from you. I trust you this morning. I depend on you today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There, there seems to be this mentality that's, from my perspective, becoming more and more uh, pervasive, I think would be the word I'm looking for, in, in Christianity. And, and, and kind of the gist of that is we, we're bringing Jesus down to where we are. And, and we're making him, you know, like just, he's, he's like one of us. And, and I understand, in fact, there's plenty of examples throughout the Gospels, especially when Jesus was on this earth. And we believe, if you're a guest today, we believe that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh, that he was not the second person of a trinity, but he was God himself who had come down in the form of a man to walk on this earth. And, and, and so when, when he was doing that, you, you, you do find situations where he associated with uh, sinners and, 
and uh, those that were not the most respectable people. But, but this idea, to me, part of it seems to be if we can just bring him down to where we are, that means we can just continue being who and what we are. There's a statement, I have no idea who said it first. I've heard it many times and I've used it numerous times now myself. And that is, God loves you just the way you are. And He does love you just the way you are. But He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He loves you just like you are, but He also loves you enough that He's not going to let you stay the way you are. So, so this idea that, you know, He's just one of my buddies. Job says this in Job 37, verse number 22, Fair weather cometh out of the north. With God is terrible majesty. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find Him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict men. Do therefore fear Him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. The Living Bible says it this way, Neither can we gaze at the terrible majesty of God breaking forth upon us from heaven, clothed in dazzling splendor. That word terrible there in the Hebrew means to fear, to revere, to be afraid, to stand in awe of, to show reverence, to honor, to respect, to to be fearful, to be dreadful, to cause astonishment and awe, to be held in awe, to inspire reverence or godly fear or awe. The problem is when we bring God so far down to where we are, we also lose the perspective of how great He is. When we make God so small or so so much like us, then, then we don't have the perspective of how awesome and great He is. I, I've read this verse before, but a couple of years ago we had the opportunity, my wife and I, to attend the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. And what a, what a very unique, amazing experience. And in the course of that, there was a man, and I don't remember the name of the organization, but there was a man who was, I think he was the head of a, of a non-profit organization that they continue to fight slavery in the world. There are millions of people that are enslaved in the world, even still today. And, and he said that every day, every day they stop for 30 minutes and sit in silence throughout their offices in reverencing the terrible majesty. Now, I, I, I understand that for you and I, terrible is, is essentially a negative thing. And, and, and even though reading that definition, it could sound a little bit negative, but it's really not intended to be negative because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's, it's not a terror it's not scared, it's, it's respect, it's reverence, it's awe. It's the same kind of fear a child, a healthy fear a child should have for a parent when they're being disciplined or corrected. But, but God is not one of us. I could borrow a term that I guess is still used to some degree today, God's not one of my homies. He's not this guy that's just come down to chill with me. 
By the way, anybody notice the colors on the screen this morning? A couple of weeks ago, that graphic went up. I was like, nice, pink and black, cool. Until I looked at the screens up here and I went, oh, it's red and green. We got a new projector. Hallelujah. Woohoo. Brother Jalen and Josh went up to the heights. They violated scripture. The scripture says, Lo, I am with you. You say I'm up high with you. There is, again, we just got through singing about the mercy of God. If you don't have an understanding and a respect for the, 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 the judgment of God, how do you fully appreciate the mercy of God? If you don't believe God is a God of wrath and judgment, why do you need mercy? I value His mercy because I respect Him as a God of judgment as well. Oh yes, I value Him as a God of love, and He is love, but my appreciation for His love, and it's not based on this alone, but in line with this point, my my appreciation for His love is based on some other things I know about Him. He's a jealous God. He's a God that doesn't put up with junk. And so the fact that He loves me, The fact that He gives me His mercy every day, wow. But but we've got this deal of we, we bring Him down to where we are. The word majesty means grandeur. It means an imposing form and appearance. Terrible, He's a big God. He's an amazing God. The heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain Him. They say that the universe is expanding. God, God's already filled it. The, the, the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain Him. And so the fact that, that He loves us, and yes, He does meet us where we are, He doesn't make us have to jump through all kinds of hoops and and, and requirements to get to Him. He will meet us where we are. But the idea is not for us to bring Him down to where we are. Philippians says, excuse me, first off, 1 John 4 and 10 says this, Herein is love. Here's love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved God. Us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Here is love. Not that it's it's not some awesome, amazing thing that you and I love God. That makes sense for us to love him. We're hopeless without him. We can't save ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. We we can't provide our own needs. We can't. We can't give ourselves the breath that we need for life. So for us to love God is kind of a given. But but here's the amazing thing is that He loves us. Is there anybody here that's bold enough that you 
to acknowledge it, first of all, I guess. But anybody here, you truly think that you are worthy of the love of God. You have earned and deserved the love of God. And the bottom line is if you think that, you just disqualified yourself from deserving it. <laughs> it's an impossibility. Herein is love that He loves us. And yeah, it's an amazing thing. You know, the the religious folks had an issue with Jesus because of some of the places he went and hung out. He wasn't going to dinner at the houses of the most religious people of the day. He was going to dinner at the houses of the sinners. It was a a tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus that he he says to him, I'm going to a man that everybody else despised because he wanted their money. Jesus says, hey, I'm coming to your house. It was a it was a woman that was despised that comes and kneels down at his feet and washes his feet with her tears and dries them with her hair and and they're sitting around saying if he really was who he says he is he would know who she is and so he wouldn't let her do what she's doing. But the goal is not for us to bring him to where we are. His goal is not to just come to where we are. I'm thankful he did, but listen to what John chapter 12 and verse 30 says. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Now, 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 now listen to this next verse. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Now, now hear me please. The, 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 the primary context of that verse is he is talking about the cross. So he is saying, if I be lifted up, if I be crucified on the cross, I will draw men unto me. But as is the case with much of the Bible, while there is, there may be a primary context of, or application of a verse, there are also some other principles that we can draw from that verse. And in the, in this verse, I believe the principle is that, that he says, if I be lifted up, and one of the ways that you and I do that is through our praise and our worship. In, 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 I guess symbolically, our praise and our worship, we are exalting him. We are lifting him up. And so again, while that's not the primary context of this verse, I do believe it is applicable. So that when we lift him up with our praise and our worship, he says, I'm going to draw you where? To me. He didn't say when, he didn't say I'm coming to where you are, even though he did. What he's ultimately looking to do is not come to where you are and stay where you are. He's looking to come to where you are, but then he wants to lift you from where you are. And rather than you staying where you are and him just staying in your circumstances and in your situation, he wants to lift you out of that. I got a question this morning. If, if, if your favorite president, Say it that way, because if your favorite president, if you if you had the option for your favorite president, and meaning your favorite president that they were in office, 
If you had the option for your favorite president to come to your house for dinner and eat a meal at your house and spend time at your house, or for you to go to the White House and sit at his table in his house with his chefs, Which would you take? I, I know I heard I heard somebody from the platform who always has to be cantankerous. I, I heard it. But most of us, most of us, most of us wouldn't think twice. Wait, I can go to the White House? I can be a guest at the White House? I I I and sure, it'd be an honor and cool to have you at my house, but if the option is my house or your house, I'm coming to your house. If the option is just to make God one of us that's just always hanging out with us, or if the option is, did you notice what that verse said in John three thirteen? I think it was? It said, the Son of, son of God, right? The word, the way it said it there. Son of man, sorry. Notice the capital S, so it's talking about Jesus. The Son of Man, watch this. He came down from heaven, but he is in heaven. Wait a minute. He he came down from heaven. You, you came from home this morning, most of you. Some of you may have come from work, actually. But most of you came from work this morning. You're not at home right now. It didn't say the Son of Man came down from heaven who was in heaven. It said the Son of Man from heaven who is in heaven. Can I say it this way? He was living in two places. At one time, is that not what? Hebrews 12 and verse 3, I think it is, 2 or 3, says that for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. So while He was on the cross, He was also someplace else. Let me tell you something, if this is the only place you live, you, you, I can't believe you're here this morning and not locked up in a mental institution. And I'm not being unkind or disrespect. We are in a crazy world. We are in, there, there are things going on in the world today that I never dreamed we would be facing or dealing with. What in the, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. If you're only living here, Paul said, if you have hope in this life, only you are of all men most miserable. So you know what? Somehow you and I have to learn that while we may be here in this earth, there's someplace else. 
Because the God who is living on the inside of me and the God who did come down to where I am, He's also someplace else. Paul said it this way in Philippians 2 and 5, Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He did come down. I'm glad He came down, but He didn't come down to become one of us. He didn't come here to make us comfortable with being here. He came down so that we could go there. He descended so that you and I could ascend. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus said If I be lifted up, I will draw all men up to me. Paul said, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So if he has been exalted and he is drawing you and I to where he is, that means we don't have to just make him one of us where we are. Let me, let me, let me, let me try this one. Maybe I'll get the right answer from him on this one. <laughs> he knows I love him. There you go. Hey. If, you were, if you were homeless and on the street, what would you rather have? Let's, let's say the wintertime especially. You're homeless and you're on the street. And I was to offer you, I'm going to bring you I'm going to bring you a, I, I don't know where your favorite steakhouse is. I don't know what your what restaurant has your favorite steak at this point. Mine is Ruth's Chris. And and um, if you know anything about Ruth's Chris, before you judge me, we, we go there about once every two or three years. And that's always with a gift card that somebody has blessed us with. <laughs> don't be judging me. I, there may be better steak places, but that for me, that's. I'm gonna. I will bring you your choice, Ruth's Chris steak. Cook the way you want it. My preference, but maybe you have another one. I'll bring you what you want. But all gratin potatoes. Mm. It's almost lunchtime. And I'll come, I'll come sit on the sidewalk next to you, and we'll eat together. That's door number one. Option two is I'm going to come pick you up. I'm going to take you someplace and let you get all cleaned up and freshened up. Get you some new clean clothes. And uh, 
I'm going to take you to my house. And I'm going to provide you with an equally as good meal. I take a home-cooked meal any day over Ruth's Chris. You're going to sit at my table in the warmth of my house. Which would you rather? I wouldn't rather you just come to me where I am. I'd rather be invited to go where you are. I'm glad he came down, but he didn't come down to stay here. He came down so that you and I could ascend there. And ultimately, yes, I'm talking about eternity. Uh, or, or ultimately, you can apply it to eternity. But uh, quite honestly, the, the primary context of what I'm preaching to you this morning is not to be about eternity. It's to be about this life. That He didn't come down to where you and I are so we could just stay where we are and He would become one of us. He came to where we are so that we could become like Him and we could experience what He has for us and and we could enjoy the things that He has provided for us. That's how people can sit here today that are going through some very difficult circumstances in their lives and dealing with some major challenges and yet they've got peace and they've got joy because they understand that while I physically may be in this body and here right now, I'm also someplace else. Paul said it like this, God calls those things that are not as though they already were. Did you notice the one, one of the lines on one of the songs we sang this morning? It says, every battle, notice it did not say every battle you will win. I'm going to tell on my dad, my dad, your guest this morning, my dad, dad and mom are founding pastors of this church and my dad was a Naval Academy graduate and um, a couple of us were watching the game together with him and Timothy was, you know, Timothy was being Timothy. He was getting all into it. And, and, uh, you know, he was kind of egging my dad on some. At one point, one point, Navy Navy was winning. And for a while, they looked like they had it pretty much right. I mean, it was a, I don't care whose team you're a fan of. It was one of the worst offensive games to watch. Oh, my goodness. Terrible. Horrible. Wow. And so, you know, Navy's up. And, and, and my dad, he, he said it. I'm not superstitious, so I don't, I don't think it's his fault. Okay? But he said it. We, you know, it was like, I don't know, partway through the third quarter, even into the fourth. Timmy's like, hey, hey, they're up. We're, he's like, until they're 0.0 seconds. On the clock. Unfortunately for us Navy fans, we shouldn't have jumped to conclusions. Because you and I are looking ahead, and we don't know everything that's to come. But the song said, and it's based on biblical principles every battle 
You understand? I'm not playing semantics with you right now. There's a big difference between saying every battle you will win versus every battle you've already won. Because if I'm just saying every battle you will win, there is still the possibility of losing. But when you say every battle you've already won, it's already done. So rather than living to see whether or not I win or lose, I'm winning, I'm I'm living to see how I win. I got a phone call uh, 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 yesterday uh, from, from someone that's been connected to this church for, for a long time. They're still in church, but they don't, they don't live here anymore. And they told me, and, and I, I, I sort of have a very, very faint recollection of this. I, I can't say that I absolutely recall the, circ- the situation, but I, I do kind of have a faint recollection. And, and it was in a service that was going on, special services that were going on here. And, and, the, and the man of God that was preaching prophesied something. And, and, and nobody else responded but this one individual. And, and, uh, and, and they got up and I think the way they said it, and I faintly remember they got up and they, they ran as a demonstration of faith and believing. And the man of God stopped them and said, because you're the only one that's responded, God is going to do X, Y, and Z through you. And that was probably seven, eight, nine years ago at least. And you know what the call was yesterday? Calling to tell you that such and such that was prophesied has now happened. You see, here's, here's, here's the challenge for you and I. When we have a promise that comes from God, while we're believing that God's going to do it, there's also still a, sort of, there's still a part of us in our humanity that says, I wonder if He's really going to do it. So we live with anxiety and this battle of faith and fear and trust and questioning and doubting versus if I really truly believe that He's going to do what He said, then again, now I'm just living to see. How he does what he said he would do. I'm not living to see if he's going to do what he said he would do. I'm living just to see how it's going to happen. Because if he said it, he cannot lie. If he said he was going to do it, it is an absolute certainty. Because if God says he's going to do something and doesn't do it, he's not like you and I that we can say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't come through. If God doesn't do what he said he would do, he cannot be God. So therefore, if he promised, promised he would do it. I'm not waiting to see if he does it. I'm just waiting to see how and when. Psalm 61 verse number 1 says this. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. 
For you have been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Solomon said it this way. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are safe. Now now watch this. He says, from the end of the earth will I cry under thee when my heart is overwhelmed. When my heart is overwhelmed, when I am burdened down, when I am weighted down with the cares of this life, when I am weighted down with the circumstances and the situations that I'm going through, when I am overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I I, I got a question. If you're really, truly burdened down and you're really overwhelmed, do you feel like being led? If I'm here and I'm overwhelmed and, 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 and I'm burdened with what's going on in life and, and the rock over there is the rock that is higher, great. I, I don't have the energy. I don't have the strength. And he says, lead me. Watch this. You know what one of the definitions of that word lead is in the Hebrew? Again, just in case somebody's not aware of this, the Bible was not originally written in English. Old Testament is Hebrew. So the Hebrew word there for lead, you know what that word means? It doesn't mean to lead is in the sense of take you by the hand and lead you there. One of the definitions of that word lead means to transport. So if you are here and you're overwhelmed, He will transport you to the rock. I'm glad He came to where we are. I'm glad that He met us where we are. But I'm so glad He didn't come to stay where we are. He came to where you and I are so that you and I can be where He is. I've used this many times before and and, and I'm sure I'll keep using it. And I, I, I kind of took it for granted in the past when I've used it. Everybody understood it and got it. But I found out that's not really the case. Because it's still kind of rainy overcast out there, right? So you walk outside and, and you look out there. And isn't it really sad that we consider rainy days bad and sunshine days good? Because life requires both. If you got a picnic plan today and it's raining, it's a bad day. But if you're a farmer and you just sowed seed, all about perspective. Well, I, I don't need to get on any tangents, but do you know how many things in our lives just simply require a change of perspective? That's all. Nothing else. They don't, require, they don't require the circumstances to be fixed. They don't require the situations to be changed. They simply require a change of perspective. 
I'll just give you one simple example. And she doesn't like it when I do this, but oh well. Unless she wants me to get another wife, she just have to put up with it. So <laughs> I didn't mean that quite the way it came out. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but but most of you know, and some of you may not. But this has been a very challenging year. As you said, ongoing neck neck issues and surgery back in the spring fixed one problem, but she's had uh, other just as severe of issues. Wow, I mean, there's there's so many things that I realized that I have just simply taken for granted now. But it's frustrating. I mean, we, we make plans to do certain things, and uh, I, I don't know what all was said or not said um, last uh, Sunday, but we were supposed to preach in Boston, and for several different reasons, I ended up not feeling well and a couple other things, so... Since the weekend was already taken care of that Sunday, we just decided to go away for a couple of days and just just rest. And so we were supposed to go preach in Worcester, Massachusetts. Then we were going to go hang out in Boston for a couple of days and just spend some time together. And, and all of that changed. And, and so, you know, it, I, every now and then I find myself getting a little frustrated and upset. And, but all I got to do is just change my perspective a little bit. Because as frustrating and difficult as the year has been for her and on us as a family, our, our relation, I don't mean on our relationship in the sense of tension, I just mean the challenges, whatever. Nothing's coming out right at this very moment for some reason. <laughs> All I got to do is just change my perspective. Because while some plans may be altered and some things, I, I'm not, I don't mean this at all, insensitive because some of you, this is the case. So please hear what I'm trying to say and don't mishear me. I, I'm not having to go simply to a graveyard today and visit my wife at a cemetery. Or I'm not having to go to a hospital where she's laid up in a... I'm not saying I like what, but all I got to do is change my perspective a little. You know, oh my goodness. It's amazing to me. Do you know who has a tendency to get overwhelmed with their problems? Oh boy. First of all, the people that have a tendency to get so overwhelmed with their problems are the people that have the smallest problems. But secondly, let me tell you, this is a common, I've watched it now in 15 plus years of pastoring and 20 plus years of ministry involvement, I've watched this. Do you know the other type of people, or do you know what another common characteristics of, characteristic of people who get overwhelmed by their problems? It is people who are very self-centered. That the primary focus of their lives is themselves. Because I've watched for years and years as people that have some of the worst problems. People that have some of the most challenging problems. You would never know it when you're around them. Because their world does not revolve around themselves. Everybody's been through stuff and everybody's stuff affects them. But there's also another side of the coin is sometimes you need to step back. I mean... If you ever got a splinter, it hurts. If you ever had to get a splinter taken out, it hurts. But I'll take a splinter over a broken bone. 
I'll take a splinter over surgery. I got to get back. Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me. So back to the thing that I was getting at with all of that. If, if you were to go today, if I, was, if I were to buy you, and some of you have experienced this, but if you've never experienced this, if I were to buy you a ticket for a flight on an airplane, you would go to the airport, you would get settled into the airplane, you're looking out the window, it's still a dreary, rainy day. But you sit down in that seat, and that airplane begins to taxi out to the runway. And then it begins to go down and begins to take off and starts to climb. And as you begin to climb, you start to get up there in those clouds, and that's where you usually start to get a little bit of turbulence and that thing bumping around. But, but then after a few moments, as it continues to ascend, you break through the cloud. Do you realize when you walk outside... The same day, the same dreary day you're looking at right now, there are beautiful blue skies up there. There is, and, and, and here's another amazing thing, those, those gray clouds you're looking up at on a rainy day, do you know on the other side of them, they are the purest, most beautiful white you have ever seen. I am 51 years old. This is something that a child should be the one thinking about. But honestly, every time I fly and have that kind of an experience, I get the same thought every time. I just want to walk out the door of this plane and just jump out there and land on those big, white, fluffy clouds. not be a soft, fluffy landing. (laughs) The same, oh Jesus, the same day, it's just a matter of where you are. So you know what, sure, great, God come down to where I am today and His presence is down here with me. Or, I can ascend above Beyond all of this stuff. It's amazing. And again, some of you had this experience. Many of you have. Some of you haven't. But it is an amazing thing that when you, when you get up, especially when you get at cruising altitude, everything down here that seems so big. I mean, if you're on a two-lane road and there's an 18-wheeler coming your direction, in your lane, that is really scary. Because if you're in just a car, a small car, or even an SUV, you're in trouble. He's bigger than you are. Do you know that same 18-wheeler from up there is really cute? I mean, it's like, oh, look at that little 18-wheeler. Same thing. It's just a matter of your perspective. Oh, I know, I know. We sit here, and 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 believe me, I'm 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 like most of you in my flesh. This I don't I don't I don't want to change my perspective. 
I want him to change my circumstances. I don't want to just change how I'm seeing things. I want him to change things. The psalmist said in Psalm 73, that I, he said, I got to looking at the prosperity of the wicked, and it was almost too much for me, and my steps had almost slipped until I got into the sanctuary. What happened when he got into the sanctuary? God fixed everything. God took care of all the problems. God took away all the pain. God took away all the issues. No, he said this, when I got in the sanctuary, when I got in the presence of God, here's what happened. I now understood their end. What was bothering me before, all I had to do was change my perspective. I don't like this world. I'm not crazy about the direction that it's going. But this is not where my hope is. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I've got a hope that whatever I'm going through down here, this is not the end. This is only the beginning. And I'm looking forward to what's to come. First Corinthians 6 verse 9 Know ye not that the unrighteous Watch this Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God Be not deceived Neither fornicators nor idolaters Nor adulterers nor effeminate Nor abusers of themselves with mankind Nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards Nor revilers nor extortioners Shall inherit the kingdom of God but Hey God came down And that's the very people He came and hung out with yeah, it is. He, he came down to hang out with, with thieves and, 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 and fornicators and idolaters. And, but he didn't come to hang out with them so that he would approve of them where they were. He didn't come hang out with them to say, hey, you know what, we're good, we're tight. It's all good. No. He came to where they were because he wanted them to get to where he was. And one of the things, I just, I, I can hardly ever read these verses without making this point. This is one of the things that's so amazing about God. The scripture says, if you are one of these things or you have done one of these things, you have no hope of salvation. You have no hope of entering the kingdom of God. So the world says this, and, and, and the world does a lot of nice things, and they try hard at a lot of different things, and, and there's some things they do that there's a degree of success at, and, and I'm appreciative for that. But the bottom line is the world and human efforts can only go so far. And so one of the things the world does, if you've been addicted to something and you are going through recovery for that, the world says what you were, you always are. You're just recovering. If that's the only hope we have, then none of us have the hope of inheriting the kingdom of God. But oh, look at what the next verse says. And such were some of you. Not, not such are some of you, you're just recovering. Such were some of you. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Paul said it like this in another place. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. 
Anybody ever gone to a, a used car place or gone online or whatever and maybe from another person you bought a, a used car? Anybody ever know? Just about everybody here. I got a question. Do you not usually tell people, hey, guess what? I got a new car. Oh, man, cool. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, you got to see it. I'm not going to tell you about it. You got to see it. You meet up with them, and they show you their Ford Pinto. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. You, you said you got a new car. I, 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 I'm sorry. It's, I had to deal with it, and, and they've had to, and we'll just have to keep dealing with it. So, you know, if you live in my house, you are ammunition for messages. So it's the way it goes. <laughs> This dude here, this is my third child, older son. This dude here is a thrifting-aholic. I mean, boy, he, he'll come home with new suit, new tie. He never come home with new socks from thrift stores. There's a few things you don't get from thrift stores. He comes like, hey, I got, man, I got a new suit. Name, right? By the way, you know, back to my Ruth's Chris comment, if you ever see Timothy, my, my son, and you know what brand he's wearing, came from the thrift store, just to be clear. He, I mean, he's pulling out these four or $500 suits. Got it for 20 bucks. You know what? A new, new suit. You got, it's what, I got a new suit. And that's the way we, that's the way we think. But no offense, there's a big difference between going to CarMax and buying a car versus going to the new car dealership. That that thing's got about seven or eight miles on the odometer because the only driving there's been is from the manufacturer to the truck to the dealership. That's, that's a different kind of new can I tell you today, when Paul said, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, he's not like the thrift store on Forest Drive, new to you. He means new. He means brand new. I, 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 biblically, I can give you a basis for it. Hear me, please. Biblically, I can give you a basis for it. But intellectually, I cannot explain what I'm about to say. But here's what I know the Bible says, and here's what I believe, and here's what I've experienced, and many other, others in this place have experienced. There is a tank back there that's got some water in it. Regular old tap water in it. But what happens if... You go down in that water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. When you come up out of that water, you are a brand new. Not new to you, but brand new person. You, you know what? <laughs> That the, the, most of the kids at least are downstairs in Sunday school, so I'm gonna be a little plainer than I'd be if 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 they were if they were in here. If you have lived a life of fornication and you've lived a life of sinfulness and and promiscuity, when you go down in the waters of baptism, 
Some of you are going to have trouble with what I'm about to say, but biblically it's true. In that moment when you go down in the water, in God's eyes you become a virgin all over again. That's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to make you brand new. So why would I just want to bring him down to where I am when he's willing to lift me up to where he is? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't want him to just come and stay where I am. I need him to transport me from where I am. But he didn't descend to just stay. He descended so that you could ascend. It just, it, it, it amazed. I've, I've, I've said this before. And I'll, you know, you ever read any books or seen any movies about people's life stories? And you're like, that is some, God, man, anybody would ever live through that or put up with that. Or did, wow. They're honestly, and I'm not about to start naming them because some of them, it just wouldn't be appropriate, wouldn't be fair to the person. But there are people that are sitting in this room right now that have lived the lives that are you could make a movie out of it. I'm talking about tragedy and brokenness and abuse and addiction and all these things. And yet sitting here right now, you would never know it because somebody descended to where they are, where they were. But they realized he didn't just come to where I am to stay where I He came to where I am so he could lift me out of where I am. And I could rise above everything I've been through. I, I can rise above every abuse, every, every mistreatment, every betrayal. I can rise above everything I've ever been through because He descended so that I could ascend. I look sharp, so I'm not saying she did. So, you know what? If you sit here and look at them, we all look pretty similar. I mean, we don't all look similar. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's not coming out right this morning. 
Yeah, I mean, we all, you know. Wow, those are a bunch of goody goodies up there. Look at them all. They all got their little ties on and their coats. Because all, all you see right now is right now. I'm not going to tell their stuff, but, but you know those verses I read a few moments ago about the people that couldn't get into the kingdom of God? Such were. Such were some of them. They didn't always have their nice coats and ties on. They weren't all sitting on the platform. They haven't always been sitting on the platform. Doing the right. You know what? I, I, born and raised here, my parents started this church. I, I, from a natural standpoint, from a natural, let me finish my point. From a natural standpoint, I'm a pretty clean cut guy. From a natural standpoint, I've lived a pretty boring life. I, I have literally never, I've never drank alcohol. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never done any drugs. I was a virgin when I got married. I was a pretty boring guy, except I had a lot of other issues because we're all sinners. I prayed it this morning. I'm, I'm trying to quit, but I didn't preach last Sunday, so. I, I prayed it this morning. I prayed it this morning. I, I, there's some things you pray in just Jesus' name, but I, I prayed it this morning. I prayed, God, I don't remember exactly the words I said, but this is the gist. I prayed, God, I, I confess that I need forgiveness and your blood the things I've done wrong just as much as the drunk or the alcoholic and I know I know I know so yeah whatever that's because you don't know the Bible because the Bible doesn't categorize sin we, we, we have a tendency we have a tendency to categorize we, we, it's, it's, we don't really do it literally but I, I feel like figuratively we have a 1 to 10 scale for sin. And so, you know, none of us, none of us, I mean, some people would, but none of us would ever do the 7 to 10s. I mean, that's the murderers, the rapists. We would never do the 7 to 10s. And, and most of the time, we'd never do the 4 to 7s. I mean, every now and then, we might mess up into one of those. You know, the 1 to 3 lie here, a little dishonesty there, a little cutting corners here. You know the Bible says that all liars, all liars, doesn't categorize what kind, it says liars. All liars will have their part in the lake of fire. So it's not about the sin you've committed, it's about the, it's not about the kind or, or, or the, the category of the sin you committed, it's about the fact that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And whatever sin you've committed is enough to send you to hell. So it's not a disease, it's a sin. we got a problem in our world today because we want to call everything a disease. The problem is when you misdiagnose something, you don't properly deal with it. When you call something just a disease, you may try to medicate it. But if it's a sin, there's only one solution. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the waters of baptism. That is the forgiveness that can only come from Jesus Christ. 
so I, I, I back to my point. So, you, you know, you, yeah, yeah, so I know, I know that I haven't done some of the things some of them have done. But again, as I was just making the point, it, it doesn't matter. Sin is sin. But, but, but bigger than that is you, you don't know. He's born and raised here. sitting there with your purse you're using your sticky fingers on my stuff we don't know that anymore why? because yes he came to where we were and it didn't matter how dirty and nasty and messed up and broken we were he was willing to come to where we were but he didn't come there to stay with us he came to us to be able to lift us out of where we were to be able to now be where he is I want you to stand if you would please
whether you respond or not, that's, that's between you and Jesus. I believe there are some people, whether it's guests or people that come here regularly, I believe there's some people in this place that the Spirit of the Lord is talking to you today. God is, God is trying to convince you this morning while He's come to where you are, He wants to do some lifting in your life. You're here this morning and something in this message, something throughout this message has resonated with you. If there's any glimmer in, in, in your heart that says, maybe God's talking to me. I want to invite you right now as a step of faith, as a demonstration of faith. Would you, would you step out of your seat right now make your way down to this, this altar as a, as a demonstration to say, God, I I may be here and I got a lot of junk. I got a lot of stuff. I got a lot of challenges and difficulties. I've, I've got a lot of obstacles. I, I've got a lot of baggage where I am and what I'm dealing with. But God, if, if you're willing and you're able, then I want you to, I want you to lift me. I don't want you just descending. I'm so glad you descended. Can I get some folks that would help me? I don't want you just descending. I, I, I have no hope, God, if you didn't first descend to where I was. But God, you didn't just come to where I was to stay where I am. You, you descended to where I was so that you could lift me. You descended, God, so that I could ascend. You came down so that I could be lifted up. Come on, church, would you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now? Come on, there's some people in this place today that God wants to do something significant in their lives. It may not be something you can see outwardly. to say it, but the, that ascending is not about seeing something physical. It's, it's not about what you might witness with your natural eyes, but you can feel it in your spirit. You can sense it as God begins to, to do it. Well, I know some of you are facing some challenging circumstances in your life today. I, I know some of you are dealing with some very difficult situations, but, but I believe the Spirit of the Lord has sent me today to, to let you know that God knows where you are. And yes, He is with you where you are, but if you'll just trust Him, if you'll just trust Him, He's going to lift you. He's going to lift you out of where you are. your way in this place right now, Jesus. I pray, God, that faith would be released right now. Let faith be released in this place. God, I pray the voice of condemnation would be silenced. I pray the voice of accusation from the enemy would be silenced. Let faith rise, Lord. Let faith rise. Let hope be awakened in hearts and lives today. 
give somebody hope today. No more crying, no more Hope that is a confident expectation because of your word and your promise. I believe your word is true. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Lord, you promise never to leave me. God, it's not if. It's not if you're going to come through. It's not if you're going to work on my behalf. It's it's not if you're going to raise me up. It's just, it's when. It's waiting to see how. I trust you, Lord. I trust you today. If you're overwhelmed this morning, if you're overwhelmed this morning, He can transport you. He can transport you to the rock that's higher than where you are. to that strong tower that's higher than you. In the name of Jesus. No more crying.